Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Do you have a digital mindset? Check out Season 3 of This is Digital. Season 3 of This is Digital goes behind the scenes to reveal how digital trends show up in everyday decisions and actions, including driving profitable growth in enterprise software and how the new sports fan experience can drive revenue. Featuring guests like Chris D'Agostino of Databricks and Scott Crable of Tama Bravo. Check out the latest and greatest on Season 3 of This is Digital and learn more at westmonroe.com. Brought to you by the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Hello, friends. Jack, Flight School O'Brien here, uh, also known as Jack. Still can touch Ned if I get a running start and haven't eaten heavy breakfast. O'Brien, uh, both nicknames that I go by. Inviting you to check out Miles and Jack got mad boosties for a weekly basketball conversation with me and my co-host from the Daily Zeitgeist, Miles Gray. We are joined by comedians, writers, podcasters, and fellow NBA fans as we discuss the latest news and events from around the league. Check it out. Miles and Jack got mad boosties. Brought to you by the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Armstrong and Getty. The birthplace of talk radio. I hear all these idiots and fools and jackasses on radio. What an introduction that was. Holy God. My gosh. Nobody does it better. Kids, we don't want another incident here, okay? Yeah. It's such a bizarre world. I apologize for that. All right, go, go. I call him President Tweedy. This is Ed McMahon. And now, he is Armstrong and Getty. Getty. Studio C. Oh, CZR. I'm amazed that the Clorox Cor- Corporation hasn't come up with a more workable lid. You don't like the lid? I hate the lid. It doesn't work with the, trying with the to lid? get the the wipes to come up through there and come oh, off one at a time. It doesn't work. Yeah, yes, it doesn't work at all. Oh, and I'm um, surprised they haven't fixed that. 
Uh, dimly lit room, deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound. And today, hey now, we're under the tutelage of our general manager. Are you pulling it toward the uh, <clears throat> the flappy thing? You got to kind of pull it. Through. You got an opening, then you get a flap. You got the straps. Like you, got the, you got the cups. <laughs> you got the opening. You got the flap. Boom! The opening hits the flap. General manager this morning. Our crappy, crappy media. Hmm. And I leave no one out of that assessment. You will be assumed to be crappy until you prove otherwise. <laughs> so why is the crappy media our uh, general manager? I cannot tell you. Well, I, I don't need to tell you because you've all heard it many times. How many times every day I hear about a spike in cases? And if you look here, there, everywhere, depending on you know what policy they've done and uh, whatever the story is, and if you look into it, in almost every case, it reflects a spike in testing. There is absolutely zero randomized, steady across time amount of testing, which is what you need to talk about a spike in testing. It just it makes me crazy. I mean, I'm, if you're going to talk about a spike in cases, rather, mm-hmm. it just it's just so stupid and idiotic. Well. Or it's just premeditated uh, harem scarum, trying I, to shock you into listening. I don't know. I don't. Know. I don't know what they're I, up to. Tired of this. Um, things we can talk about today. Did you read the Matt Lauer piece that came out yesterday? I did not. Wow, was that interesting? Huh? Well, on what topic? Ronan Farrow is too good to be true. Is the headline? Hello. And it's taking the headline from the New York Times. Now, I don't know if you saw that over the weekend. I saw the headline, didn't read it, wish I had. A guy named, a, a man called Ben Smith, who is the media critic for the New York Times, looked at Ronan Farrow's book, uh, Catch and Kill? Is that what it was called that he won the Pulitzer Prize for? Oh, right, right, right. About how NBC wouldn't run with the Goldstein story. Uh, Weinstein. Weinstein, right. Um, but anyway, so uh, the, New York, that was wrong. <laughs> the New York Times writer, Ronan Farrow, having just won the Pulitzer Prize for, you know, critical reporting, all that sort of stuff. Um, New York Times um, uh, a guy, he goes through a bunch of places where he says, this is just, you know, this was not checked. This was not checked. This doesn't make any sense. Well, Matt Lauer came out with a more detailed uh, piece yesterday in Mediate? Uh, Mediate. Mediate. Yeah. yeah. And, it's a Dan uh, Abrams run thing. And who's Dan Abrams? Nobody knows. Dan and Matt Lauer uh, uh, piggybacks on that and and uh, the New York Times article. And apparently he'd written this quite some time ago, but didn't release it because of the coronavirus and a couple of other things. But has put it out now because he thought the time was good. And he goes through a number of things, and he says there are more to prove that the stuff about him just wasn't true. Or certainly couldn't be verified. And he would put he'd have a paragraph from Ronan Farrow's book. Mm-hmm. about her telling somebody something or whatever. And he'd say, did Ronan in- interview that person? No, he didn't. I did. This is what they said. And uh, and he does that multiple times. And media tight tight media I can't say that. Um, okay. They also said, they said, we confirmed everything Matt Lauer says in this article. Ooh. We talked to the people to, pr- to, to nail down that Matt Lauer did talk to them, and they said what Matt Lauer said. And there are a whole bunch of examples. And the New York Times says there's stuff about Weinstein, too. Not claiming that Weinstein's not a horrible human being, mm-hmm. but just... Uh, uh, and the, the New York Times point was that this is a new thing called act 
activist journalism mm. in which you have a cause, and Ronan Farrow's got a cause sure. of uh, men who are pigs because he believes his father was one, um, uh, Woody Allen. His um, father was Frank Sinatra. Look at him. <laughs> <laughs> I, all right, the guy who raised him is but, his father. Anywho, um, uh, New York Times believes there's something called activist journalism now where you just look for facts that back up your argument and everybody kind of ignores the fact that you didn't do normal journalistic stuff like if somebody tells you something about somebody, you go and ask them. If that would get in the way of the story, forget it. Right. And That's everybody, not the point. And everybody's just accepted it, and it's a new thing. Mm. Having won the Pulitzer Prize especially, it's a new thing. It's just it's just where we are in the world. Um, activist journalism. Matt Lauer, on the other hand, I don't think he's concerned about activist journalism. He's about proving that I didn't rape that woman. Mm-hmm. I don't know what she's talking about. She's a crackpot. Here's at least four examples of how I can show that stuff that's in the book is just plain not true. Great and man, it, Scott. And it seems pretty Pretty damn nailed down. And you, I, I've you, never liked Matt Lauer, but... Are you feeling bad about how you've slandered Matt Lauer these last many months? <laughs> I hope so. I thought it was really interesting. Because I didn't read the book. But there are numerous examples of her claiming things, and nobody made any effort to nail down whether that was true or, true or not. And then Matt Lauer says, I Hashtag did. believe the women. Matt Lauer says, I did. I had a three-hour conversation with this gentleman. This is what he said. Mm-hmm. Uh, really interesting stuff. Wow. You know, it's funny. I was thinking along those very same lines, having watched a significant chunk of the Michael Jordan thing last night, the last dance, uh, too many part documentary on ESPN. And a number of the other players involved are coming out and saying, this so-called documentary is wildly misleading. Wildly. And... uh, it well, it used to be, and it's a quaint and old-fashioned notion that uh, we could assume an, uh, a piece of journalism adhered to certain uh, ethics and rules, but they don't anymore. They just don't. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah, I I I prefer things to be true, but uh, whether or not they got it accurate on the uh, the Bulls' uh, rise and uh, winning championships is one thing. People right. people being known as rapists for the rest of their lives and people winning Pulitzer prizes for investigative reporting mm-hmm. is a whole other level of we, uh, just. We, this is not a way to run the world, right? And I hate to paint the uh, the journalistic world with the same cynicism I do now with documentaries because it's become there are a number of like the, what was the one. Uh, that was super popular. It was a podcast to make a murderer. Was that about uh, the doughy kid who may or may not have killed somebody? Serial make a murderer. One of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was yeah. in that genre. Well, uh, the, those be have right. been criticized as being wildly misleading. They take uh, you know one truth that has you know another truth that kind of uh, makes you wonder, or half truths and the rest of it, and just it leaves enough stuff out that you know it's the truth, but not the whole truth, and not nothing but the truth. And I think we just have to assume that everything is that until we verify otherwise, which is kind of disappointing. So everything, uh, Sean's always talking about things being for clicks. So everything's either for clicks or it's activist journalism. Mm-hmm. And uh, whatever's driving it, it's... Well, yeah, you might have a great deal of sympathy for the, the activist cause behind it, but I don't know. You, you see a lot of people, uh, their lives chewed up and spit out uh, in, in service of the greater cause. And that's, you know, if if you're going with the ends justifying the, the means rationalization for major books and stories and months-long narratives in our culture, that's not so good. I'd rather just know the truth. Let me decide there, uh, Ronan, would you? Hey, Hanson. So, get... no, Matt Lauer's definitely some sort of weasel. He cheated on his wife and had affairs like crazy, but okay. he, he says, I didn't rape anybody, and I never had any uh, relationships that weren't consensual. 
And uh, and there's no evidence of that. So he didn't have a one-button sex dungeon? You know, that didn't come up in the article at all. The ability to lock one's office door from one's desk is not automatically creepy. No, not if you're having affairs all the time. Right. For one thing. It's a sensible precaution. Um, anyway, uh, I'll, Hanson, I'll get you that article from Stalagtite, and uh, you can uh, put it on our website, and uh, people could look at it if they want. I thought it was damned interesting. Wow, yeah. I'd like um, to see that. Let's introduce everybody in the squad to kick off the show. There's our board operator, Michelangelo. Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. How are you this morning, Michael? I'm doing okay. I'm just thinking uh, Trump versus Biden in, de- in a debate. If you're one of Trump's supporters, don't you have to sit out in the audience there with a sound effect of a bird and you just... <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, just pipe one in. The crowd will honk at him to heckle him. We played more clips of Joe Biden trying to talk from his home with really loud geese in the background. I mean, it's nice he lives someplace so picturesque that it's got birds on a pond and everything. You got to close the window before you do your uh, political speeches. Um, There is Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing very well. I was thwarted by technology yesterday. I don't know why I actually ever tried to do things, because every time you try to do something, something always comes up. That's why it's better not to try, like yeah, Homer Simpson says. Exactly. exactly. That's, that's my usual playbook, and I run it very effectively. <laughs> uh, but yesterday I was trying to do, because there was a, a slew of new trailers that came out that we were talking about, so I was going to do another handful of my, uh, my just, people just been begging for these review the previews right just constantly just in my dms i got agents calling when's the next one coming as soon as soon as there's something worthy doing i'll do one you're uh, hot man you're hot but, but i was going to do the the spike lee thing i was going to do the mel gibson thing i was going to do the pete davidson one but i i, I got tech difficulties because we got our at home in case of emergency broadcast from home thing set up so i was i ran out of inputs and cords and i got the cords and but about after 90 minutes i just i, I was fed up and i i wasn't in the right mindset to do it which is all a long way to say i will have those on the website tomorrow, and I will release them uh, maybe one a day for a couple days, and uh, we'll, we'll get to see some of the good stuff that's coming out. Main, mainly, you get to watch me watch a trailer of a movie, and, and it's like we're watching it together. Has there been invented yet a special term for stymied by technology and the feeling it gives you? At least for me, that's a, wow. different, that's a different feeling than my car won't start or when my washing machine's broken or anything else. Right. When technology doesn't work, it's just... <laughs> What do you mean? (laughs) You know, this could be the mark you leave on the world. That's an excellent idea. We need Hmm. to coin a term. Somebody come up with one. I'll steal it. (laughs) Um, uh, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this. How did it get to be uh, Thursday already or Wednesday already? Um, June the something or May the whatever. I don't know. My phone's not telling me. The the 20th year, 2020. We are Armstrong and Getty and we approve of this program. Well, then let's begin officially according to FCC rules and regs at Mark. I don't respond to her. I think she's a waste of time. Pelosi is a sick woman. She's got a lot of problems, a lot of mental problems. (laughs) We're dealing with people that have to get their act together for the good of the country. (laughs) There you go. She called him fat. He called her crazy. That's where we are as the greatest power on earth. (sighs) (laughs) You're fat. You're crazy. (laughs) Morbidly obese, they say. Crazy, awesome. they say. How's the mailbag look? Ah, oh, it'll do. Yeah, that and other stuff. On the way on the Armstrong <laughs> and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. That Matt Lauer piece uh, defending himself against uh, 
Ronan Farrow is at our website, armstrongandgetty.com. It's more of a, if you're interested in journalism than if you're interested in the, I, I don't care between Matt Lauer and Ronan Farrow. I have no horse in this race as to who's a good person and who's not, or who's doing their job right or who's not. It doesn't matter. Uh, the journalism question, though, I find pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I will tell you this. I have long had a feeling that Ronan Farrow was, um, that there was something up. Well, I, I read, <clears throat> I read Woody Allen's book. And Ronan's upbringing is very, very strange. Thanks his to his mom, mom right? Was Mia very Farrell. crazy. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, mailbag. <laughs> Continuing our freedom-loving quote of the day from Edmund Burke, the <laughs> philosopher and legislator of the 18th century. He pauses. Trying to remember 1700 is equal, okay. People crushed by laws have no hope but to evade power. If the laws are their enemies, they will be enemies to the law. And those who have most to hope and nothing to lose will always be dangerous. Hmm. Kind of a fancy way to make to say, you know, uh, the, the government governs best which governs least. Or be very, very careful that your laws are just. Or you will turn lawful people into outlaws. No doubt. The flip side of that uh, is uh, straight out of Atlas Shrugged, I think, where one of the characters in the the Ayn Rand classic points out that uh, we pass all these millions of laws because we want to make you an outlaw. Because then, if we ever need to control you or silence you, we will just cite the various laws you've broken. Um, Because there are so many of them, nobody can keep track. If that reminds you of a certain... Uh, superpower country in the current century. Uh, you can be forgiven for that. Uh, Joe Biden is Fred Willard, writes Travis. Catching up on the show. Have you compared to Fre- uh, Biden to Fred Willard talking about the dog with the Sherlock Holmes hat and pipe and <laughs> with anything Joe Biden has said? There is a similar way to talk. Fred playing the out-of-touch moron sounds exactly like Joe Biden. I'll bet Sean could put together a mashup. You Cracker Kroger. <laughs> that's that's neither one of them there, Sean. You cheated. Yeah, his corn pop story has got a Fred <laughs> Willard like uh thing going there. Yeah, so the corn pop was a bad dude. Back in nineteen hundred yeah. when I was a lifeguard and all the ladies thought I was the dame of the town or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <Right>. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you can put a Sherlock Holmes ad on there because I've got hairy legs. Yeah, he's even got that thing where uh, where Fred Willard asked the other guy, "How much do you think I could bench press in my prime?" Just take a guess, right? That's like Biden's push up thing. Yes, yes, I, I think Travis has nailed it. Yeah, yeah. I said, "Hey, Esther." On the topic of the presumptive Democratic nominee, uh, Tom from San Jose writes: uh, Given Joe Biden's recent uh, but infrequent campaign videos, his campaign strategy can only be described as duck, duck, goose. Mm. Uh, and the title of his email is Honk If You're for Biden. <laughs> Do you have that, that short clip of that? Funny. Uh, that we could play? I should ask for it, Sean. Sorry, my bad. I call him President Tweedy. <laughs> President Tweedy with a, a duck in the background. Um, nobody has ever had a lead over an incumbent this solid. Ever. These are unprecedented times, Jack. He says as if that's, you know. But, meaningful. Well, it is. Everything's different. So the fact that polls have never been like this before doesn't mean anything because everything's different. The whole Trump phenomenon's different. The pandemic's different. It's just everything's different. And now the winner of our Armstrong and Getty, which email has a subject line that sounds like a folk song contest winner? 
I shook a man's hand today. <laughs> I shook a man's hand today. Ah, exactly. Textonymous writes, uh, I met a new neighbor today. While we abided by social distancing for a conversation when we officially met, my neighbor extended his hand. Without giving it much thought, I shook it. I'm not going to lie. It was the greatest handshake of my life. I can't believe how much I'd missed it. Wow, that's interesting. Don't tell my wife because she'd flip out. I just had to get that off my chest. Wow, that's I shook hands with a couple of guys yesterday. What? Get out of here. Uh, please. I hope you've washed yourself. I'm fine. Have you washed yourself? A knife juggler. Yes, I've washed myself. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, uh, a couple of important things to mention. We at some point probably should talk about the uh, uh, released Susan Rice memo that factors into the whole Flynn, Russia Gate, how'd it start thing. Right. That is uh, so darned exciting. She's starting to be mentioned as a veep choice for Biden now. No, not a chance. Now. Even even as she is emerging as, well, not emerging, she's long been known as a congenital liar. Um, I got so many things in front of me, I'm trying to figure out which I wanted to do first. Um, there are, uh, there's a story out that, I'll just read you the headline, that'd probably be the easiest way to do it. Coronavirus patients in new Chinese cluster exhibiting symptoms different from Wuhan. Oh. Um, this is Bloomberg is reporting this. Coronavirus patients in northeastern China are reporting taking longer to recover from the virus and to exhibit, and exhibit slightly different symptoms than patients from the original outbreak, said one of China's top doctors. Do you take that with a grain of salt? It's China, et cetera, et cetera. But Bloomberg yeah. is reporting that. That rings true, though. I mean, the, the weird variation in symptoms among folks who, who get the bat fever is just crazy. I mean, yeah. the people who are sick for six, seven weeks. Yeah, they're suggesting this is a different strain, although the, the only person I know who had a spouse who got it, their, yeah, their symptoms changed so much over a couple of months. It's, how would you know? Um, so that's that. That's I heard it described all- as an advent calendar of pain. Oh, boy, that sounds nice. Like every couple of days you open a new who would uh, symptom. Find that? Yeah, yeah I, I don't want it. Merry Christmas, indeed. All 50 states have now at least partially reopened, and reopened means so vastly different. There are states that are practically back to normal. There are states that reopened that means their their, their state park is now open. Everything else is What about haircuts? Whatever. Um, what is it with soon, the haircuts? Check it with Let your state. get haircuts. Now, California. My hair grows. <laughs> so this is a huge deal. Well, if you live in California, it's a huge deal. Um, California's... California says school budget cuts will delay reopening for ah, a lot yes. of schools. They won't open in the fall because of the budgets. Six urban California districts, Los Angeles Unified and five other, uh, collectively enrolling about a million students, warned Monday that they can't open up because of budget cuts. So we got that headline we need to look at at some point. Mm. And I thought it was good to pair with this. For instance, in Massachusetts, they've had 3,718 COVID deaths, zero under the age of 20. Um, as far as the whole, you can't open up schools yet thing. Yeah, people are afraid the kids will be vectors, which right. is a fancy word that means they'll spread it. Right. Um, so that kill that. off all the all the oldsters. Uh, what was the one I wanted to get to? I have the, I have another one I want to get. Well, I'll do this tease. Maybe my mind will be thinking while I do this tease. Kellogg's has redesigned the Fruit Loops mascot. Finally, Toucan Toucan Sam, and the internet 
has gone crazy about it. <laughs> so, is he wearing chains and hip hop gear or something? The internet is very angry about that. There are changes coming to your air travel experience. More socially distant, do it yourself, uh, relying on travelers to wear masks, submitting to temperature scans, check your own bags. There is an international air transport association that is trying as hard as they can to to come up with uniform guidelines so that all airports in all countries are doing it more or less the same. They cite that after 9-11 it was chaotic and confusing because you never knew what was going on. True. Well, I will tell you, you this. You still don't. Even in the U.S. of A., where apparently, well, allegedly we have our act together, you will get screamed at for your toothpaste in the fourth airport you've passed through. First three think your toothpaste is perfectly fine. That fourth airport will scream no. at you like you're either Osama bin Laden or a moron. No, my favorite one is you go to the airport, and this is, you know, uh, what two decades after 9-11 practically. Your shoes don't go in the tray. They don't? They used to. When did that stop? Was I supposed to know they that? They don't go in there! <laughs> Was I supposed to know? You don't have to take that out of your... You can leave your watch on. Since when? I've had been taking my watch off for 20 years. Now I can leave my watch on. Why are you yelling at me? Right. Right. Said uh, Nick Kareen, senior vice... Uh, you don't care what he is. He's with that international association. <laughs> I'm sure his is. parents are very proud of him, but <laughs> I don't particularly care what your title is, Nick. <laughs> He said, and I quote, meeting this challenge will mean making significant changes across the air travel experience, be it pre-flight, at the departure airport, onboard, and post-flight. It will require governments to assume broad new responsibilities. Oh, there's a sentence that chills you. She's no kidding. <laughs> Gee, many Christmas. That, that, that sentence has never ended up with something good the happening. The government will assume broad new responsibilities. Well, that's just freaking fantastic. And they mentioned how the airline industry had been moving steadily, and perhaps you've noticed this, uh, toward cramming more and more people on planes more and more quickly. I mean, going mm. more cattle drive-ish yeah. you know, at every turn, and now they have to go in the other direction, and it's, it's going to be a little confusing. Awesome. Uh, travelers should complete as much of the check-in process as they can before they arrive at the airport. Uh, that includes printing boarding passes and bag tags. Uh, you know, that's already pretty easy to do if you travel much. Um, everybody does that. Um, self-serve kiosks are going to be the norm. Temperature scans done as you walk through the doors. Passengers and crew members asked to wear masks both, both in the airport and while on the airplane, um, like they do in Asia a lot. Airport access will be limited to workers, travelers, and those critical to a traveler's journey. I'm not sure what that means. Well, you can't go to the gate anyway now. Which, you know, it came from 9-11, which obviously was a horror and a terrible attack and the rest of it. But the long, uncomfortable goodbye at the gate. I'm glad to be done with that. <laughs> let's, let's give a big hug, a couple, a couple of tears. I love you. Have a great trip. Call me when you're blah, blah, blah. And then, then everybody goes their separate ways. Well, you can go if you want. Eh, I can hang around for a few minutes. Eh, sit there I don't mind losing it on the leaving end. I miss on the returning end, the get off the plane. And there they are. Yeah, although we're oh, right there. Ah, they're at the bottom of the escalator. That's that's pretty good too. Uh, let's see. There's more to this. I, I didn't get a chance to highlight it, but um, limiting carry-on baggage as another way to speed boarding and reduce contact aboard the aircraft. Oh, that would work because let's face it, the whole carry-on bags thing is the reason the aisles get jammed up. Sure. And you're, you're, you're cheek to jowl with uh, some, some strange ranger from God knows where Imagine right there in the airplane. Imagine how much faster it would be if you didn't have that. 
Yeah, just you got the one handheld thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a backpack. You That's shove it under the seat. All Let's I go. ever do anyway. So We're off to Cleveland. Cleveland. Then they charge you for the extra little baggage things, I guess. I don't know. This uh, I'm skeptical. This seems like a money grab. Well, it would be. Uh, it almost certainly will be. Uh, yeah, that Uber because yeah, they've added all those fees. Yeah, anytime a change includes more profit for some place, you've got to be at least somewhat skeptical. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like your idea yesterday. You board from the back, last row, go. Put your crap above your seat. Don't sting it in first class. You're too poor for first class. <laughs> Second to last row, go, move. Row thirty-one now, go, and then just and the, the, from the back to the front. Now, Joe's airline sounds very tense. It's a little militaristic, just but we're efficient. That, doesn't sound that relaxing. That's enough of your guff. Get on the plane. I'm going on vacation. Shut up. Get in line. This is supposed to be fun. <laughs> Says you. I get a ginger That's ale. It. You're, you're out. You're off the flight. You got to rebook. So you mentioned shaking hands with people at risk to all your fellow coworkers and family. I Very guess. irresponsible, I, I dangerous thing to do. Yeah, there you go. I'm sorry. Did you? I'm so sorry. But a child I know, as I mentioned yesterday, who's the same age as my kid, mm. but not my kid, went to a birthday party yesterday. Oh, my. Um, a secret clandestine off-books birthday party? And, Sounds awesome. And saw his friends, and his friends saw him for the first time in two and a half months? Is that how long it's been? Did I ever go two and a half months without seeing my friends when I was a kid? I don't think Never. so. No, Never. no. Never. Even in the summer, you get together a few times. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's something. And I'll tell you what was striking to me is when I went and picked them up. First of all, I thought it was striking that it is strictly illegal where I live. It wow. it, it, it violates a number of uh, of rules, laws. Nobody really knows. You're going to have um, the county health Nazis at your door. Well, the other person whose kid did this. Will. In terms of number of people and all the different sort of stuff, you just you can't do it. Um, and they did it pretty responsibly. They got in the backyard. Everybody brought a lawn chair and sat far apart. And then they had pizza. And then I guess mom brought the pizza to him individually. And everybody wore gloves and all this sort of stuff. But um, uh, what struck me is when I picked them up, they all were so emotional. My son was really emotional about mm. it. And I, th- I think when they were leaving, there was a... I don't know why this analogy popped into my head. But it's like if you've ever gone a really long time without sex... Having sex is awesome, Mm -hmm. but then you realize how great it is and how you really Mm. don't want to have to continue to go a long time without it. Uh, Yes. And and there's a little bit of, I might have been... It's an odd metaphor, but an apple. I might have been better off if I hadn't had sex, actually. No, no, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. You still would rather choose it than (laughs) not... But it gives you a little bit of, wow, that is really something I'm really missing in I've my life. I've been trying to suppress this. Yeah, I've been trying right. to pretend it's not a big deal, but it is yeah. a big deal. <laughs> and uh, and I, I think I think these kids getting together with their friends, it was like that. I was like, oh, geez. And now we're going back home. And my son was just so sad on the way home. Not my son, somebody else's son uh, in their car. That right. They told me about it later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're, we're just so sad in the car. I mean, like... It's like a prisoner getting a visit from a loved yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Like they cheery- go back to their cell, and they're sad. Cheery-eyed looking out the window. Wonder how long now back to my stupid life, he said. Oh. Um, I, and I told him, I said, well, I said, everybody feels that way in the whole world, and your friends are going, going doing the same thing. I said, what do you guys talk about? And he said, how all we do is play video games and fight with our brothers and sisters. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, wow. Wow. <laughs> You know, I heard a... But my, my ultimate oh, point was, yes. this is damaging America's psyche. Oh, yeah. Like you saying you wanted to shake hands with somebody. It's just, it's doing something to us, and we definitely need to get out of this as soon as is 
logically possible. Well, and at the risk of wearing out this point, although I don't think, honestly, it can be worn out, the idea that it's health versus the economy is idiotic. It is is so simplistic, it insults the intelligence of anybody with two brain cells to rub together. There is a, a, a terrible health toll being paid for this uh, this lockdown, mental and physical. Oh, yeah. And anybody with any sense knows that. And we could go through the cancer screenings and the heart procedures that aren't happening and, and the rest of it. But the mental health aspect, I heard a uh, liberal lady governor, I can't remember what state she was from, um, she was asked, uh, do you think the schools will open in the fall? And she said, and I thought she was absolutely right, she said, I don't think we can not open the schools in the fall for mental health reasons involving the kids. And I thought, you know what? You're right. You're right, sister. The, the kids have got to be allowed to be kids again. And, and, and we're running out of time in the segment, so I'm not going to go off on too long a tangent. But, and, and we have to protect the vulnerable best we can if the uh, Chinese bat fever is still around. But, yeah, we got to get the kids into schools. Got a new toucan, Sam, for the Kellogg cereal for the Fruit Loops. I don't, I don't want to think of that. No, my watch is the uh, Lucky Charms leprechaun still an insulting stereotype? <laughs> I certainly hope so. Our text line: uh, well, How are your kids doing? Four one five two nine five KFTC. Among things coming up. Armstrong and Getty Show. You know, we ought to pay this off just to be... I, I feel no need to be fair to Matt Lauer. Talking earlier about it, he's got a, a piece out that came out yesterday where he, um, like paragraph by paragraph, explains why some things in Ronan Farrow's book about him are just not accurate. And then he went and tried to corroborate it. And, uh, well, he proves them not to be true. Mm-hmm. Ronan Farrow didn't go and talk to the people in question. Matt Lauer did. Uh, anyway, the whole uh, had a button at his desk story yes. that is legendary, and that's really the first thing I think of when I think of Matt Lauer. It, uh, the, the term one button sex dungeon uh, became popular on certain radio shows. Somebody, <laughs> somebody sent this from the Washington Post uh, a year ago or so. Lauer didn't install the button that enabled him to lock his office door automatically from his desk. It turns out the mechanism was a standard feature in many of the older offices at 30 Rockefeller Center, NBC's longtime corporate home, according to people familiar with the building's operations. So a lot of, a lot of your older offices had the had the button to close the door. Lock oh, the door. Sure, sure. You got a big office. You're a mogul. Yeah. You got a, a call comes in, a critical call. You don't need some idiot stumbling in, so you press your uh, your your lucky button. It's perfectly reasonable. You're a guy that has multiple affairs with uh, young hotties throughout your career, uh, right? As a married man, which he did, and he doesn't deny. Your office um, is pants optional. <laughs> but there are times you want the door locked. Anyway, we've got that article at uh, ArmstrongandGetty.com if you want to read it. It's more to me a story about journalism. I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, and we're getting some texts about people and how their kids are doing. Maybe we'll talk about that later. Mentioned a, uh, yeah, I think that's absolutely a great topic. A child I know got to see his friends for the first time in two and a half months and was pretty emotionally affected by it. Does mm-hmm. it make sense? Right, right. Well, and, you know, I'm, I'm offended by the dumbness of the conversation in America's uh, news media, not just because I'm annoyed and, you know, it's just it's frustrating to me when, when, 
clearly half-truths are being thrown around, but I think it's it's such an important moment, and the, the costs, this, the stakes are very high uh, for kids right now, for everybody, but f- for kids in particular. And, uh, and it's really important we have a smart, reasonable national conversation about uh, how we uh, re-get uh, things going and, and open up and the rest of it. And we are just absolutely ill-served by politicians and media people who spout these idiotic half-truths. And it's, there is a cost. They don't care. There are a lot of childless, rich geeks in Manhattan or the Beltway. Not all of them, but a lot of them. This is a good one. My kids are younger, so I hadn't even thought about this. If your kids are, like, old enough to drive or go out on their own and stuff like that. Um, the hardest about, part about dealing with this with the kids is the fact that there's an ever-growing group of my son's friends that meet up and hang out every day. I'm about to break and just say, screw it. Go play with your friends. I don't want to be the only jerk parents not letting their kids be themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if your kids find out, because somebody's going to be early. Some kids are going to be early to get out there. Sure. And so you see on Facebook or people are texting about it or whatever, <clears throat> that they're hanging out every afternoon and you're not. Mm-hmm. At some point, yeah, you say, all right, whatever. Go hang out with them. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it, it reminds me of a, a couple of different aspects of parenting where if, you, uh, if you're if you too fundamentalist with your kids and don't let them, you don't give them any slack, they will sneak around behind your back. Um, if you have a little, this is my own parenting philosophy, um, whereas if you have a few rules, but the, those that exist are, are consistently enforced, your kids don't need to sneak around behind your back. They'll tell you, you know, hey, we're going to go do this. and you know. We're going to go rob a liquor store. So right, just exactly. You just, you know, or any store. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a liquor store. No, certainly not, although they're eminently robbable. <laughs> oh, did you see Mark Cuban was tweeting a lot yesterday with his new idea? Have you seen this? No, I missed it completely. <clears throat> what did he say? He's going with the uh, the, 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 the guaranteed income sort of idea. But just right now, he thinks everybody in America should get a $1,000 check. Yes, but you have to spend it within 10 days or it disappears. How about 10 minutes? Make it like a game show. <laughs> Everybody gets a $1,000 check. You have to spend it in 10 days. He says, it, I haven't done the math. I don't want to do a Brian Williams here, but he says it would cost uh, $500 billion, a half a trillion, which compared to the numbers that have oh, been please. thrown around lately is just like, well, you find that in the couch. That's tip um, money. Uh, but he thinks that would go a lot further and be a lot more fair toward uh, getting the economy up and running and you know people spending money and that sort of thing than any of these programs that have these various regulations that turn out to not be true or get implemented in a way that's that's illegal or whatever we've we've been doing those stories or you, just everybody you, gets a thousand bucks you got to spend it in 10 days how are you going to enforce that you could have some sort of debit card i think oh, that, yeah. clearly it would just disappear if, yeah yeah technology I like this idea. I got stuff I want to buy. I will buy a $1,000 gift card and then try to return it for cash. (laughs) And then what are you going to do with the cash? Because then then it won't disappear after 10 minutes. I'm a small government guy who's really worried about the economic impact of all this spending. But uh, we got to figure out a way to keep these businesses holding on. Because if they go under, they're going away. They aren't coming back. Yeah. And we're going to have a serious problem for a long time. We could have a pool. This would be a grim pool. But everybody takes a hack at uh, predicting the unemployment rate one year from today. And then we all reconvene. I'd and pay off the bet. I'd, I'd be nice sh- to have that sort of job security. I'd be, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, that would be ironic. We'll meet on a street corner. 
since we have no job. And my, hours, settle the bet. my hours won't allow me to eat meat at that time because I work nights, but I have to sleep. But. Yeah, exactly. And the, the tacos aren't going to make themselves. i got to get back to work <laughs> um, after we settle the bet. Um, I'll bet it, I'd be surprised if it's below double digits. Yeah. Single digits. I got to admit, if I were going to ask, uh, gonna uh, gonna guess right now, I'd make it low teens, something oh, like that. That's incredible. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. I'd, I'd probably uh, something like eleven percent is what I would guess. Wow. At, at election time, the number of businesses that have been lost and will take years to regenerate is significant already. Armstrong and Getty. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Digital trends show up every day in business decisions and actions. West Monroe is the number one strategic partner translating technology into financial value for companies. The This Is Digital podcast applies West Monroe's two decades of secrets and best practices to your business's benefit. Favorite past topics from the last three seasons include how AI and the next generation of employees are shaping the workplace, becoming a product company, Highmark's journey, and what does it mean to put the customer first? Learn more at westmonroe.com. Turns out a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit MrsMyers.com today. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 